every year. And this is maybe a sign of growing old. Mm. There the, are many of them. <laughs> rude. Mm. The pumpkin spice latte is a, out and back earlier and earlier each year, and I will not stand for it. No. It's a horror story, frankly. Thank you. But also, on the other hand, the ad looks so like enticing that a part of me is like, I want that. I mean, of course I want one. Should we have one when we're at the airport? Should we have one? Just us in the airport doing a crossword, drinking a PSL, a pistol? I want to say yes, except that I'm, I'm worried. Think- I'll be too sweaty. Yes. I was also going to say, I don't want to have coffee because I want to like immediately fall asleep. Oh, that's right. I forgot that caffeine is a thing. (laughs) No, like I swear to God, I don't realize that drinks have coffee in them and that that could potentially keep me awake because I'm such a good sleeper. The only time I've ever been affected by caffeine was when I had a lot of chocolate covered espresso beans. Yes. Okay. Were you a child? Yes. (laughs) And I didn't realize that they had, like, caffeine in them. So I was like, why the fuck can't I sleep? What can you do? Not eat coffee beans? Yeah. Straight? Yeah. Well, they had chocolate around them. I thought that would be better. But no, I was a fool. (laughs) So, the pumpkin spice latte, though, it's really... It's changed the landscape of coffee culture. And all food culture, really. That was the emergence of the pumpkin spice, bitches. It's, It's such a cultural touchstone for evil in many ways truly (laughs) like and it's chaotic evil too because again the chaos is it's not really a malicious thing it's not bad that we bring a a drink out that people want sooner for sure i remember not like not the same level of ire about it but i remember being very annoyed when the pumpkin pie blizzard was brought out in september instead of october 1st because i remember people used to have to wait till october 1st for that and i think that that like, there's things are worth waiting for. True. And, like, I'm sorry, but I don't want it to be, like, 30 degrees. Mm-mm. Well, I'm drinking something that makes Pumpkin. me feel like fall. Yeah. There needs to be a nip in the air. Mm-hmm. Although, as I said earlier, I think there is a nip in the air now. Oh, there definitely is. But I want it nippier. Full nips. Rihanna in that <laughs> sheer gown. Nips. Nips for... Uh, PSLs. Doesn't... There's no rhyme. No, there's nothing. Thank you for that, though. Anyway. Well, this is... Would you like to hear another thing that has changed the culture of food dramatically? I don't know. Should we do our intro? Because people are listening to this show, even though they clicked on it, so they have no idea what it could possibly be. It's Pantry Staples! The podcast where we dish on your favorite foods. And I'm Emily. And I'm Marika. And I am 100 years old. (laughs) Yes, you are 100 years old emotionally. Mm. And it's your best quality. Thank you. And honestly, forehead looks like a sweet 14-year-old. It's just, it's me. I'm so seductive. <laughs> yeah. Um, today, we are talking about, would you like to know? Yes. It's the Egg McMuffin. <gasps> the start oh. of all breakfast in fast food restaurant culture. That's amazing. And another cultural touchstone of culinary things. We can all make fun of the Egg McMuffin. We can all love the Egg McMuffin. It brings so much joy, so much complexity to the dialogue of breakfast. It does. And I think it's one of those things where fast food restaurants are restaurants too. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is a fact that I like. I hadn't even considered. Yeah. Any, no, not at all. Which I should have. 
That's elitist. You yeah. are elitist. That's also your best quality. <laughs> Call now, me Iris Hatfield. Oh, that's, yeah. May I set the scene Please. for you? So, 19th century England. Okay. <laughs> it's the Industrial Revolution. Okay. Children are off to the coal mines. Men are off to the places where they build things. The factories. Yes. Okay. Bitches are hungry. Very starved. Starved. <laughs> and there's no time to eat at home because we do not live on the farms anymore. We live in urban centers and we got to get to our jobs. Capitalism. Okay. Reigns supreme. <laughs> Your timeline is, is it? The... There's no, I, there's no timeline. Okay. I have no idea what's happening. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, just picture it. Did I paint a picture? You smog did. everywhere. Smog. Smog. Yes. Not smog. Oh God. Anyway, sorry. Um. So, what are these hungry bitches going to do on their way to the office? And by office, I mean factory. They're going to eat a breakfast, Sammy. In the Industrial Revolution? Yeah. Is this a bit? No, this is, like, not in, like, 19th century. <laughs> like, 1800s. That is yes. when the Industrial Revolution was, right? I don't know. No one knows. There's no way of knowing. Um, sure. Yeah. Anyways, people, like, vendors will set up little stalls, and they're going to have their... An enclosed breakfast sandwich, which is a fried egg, meat, sometimes cheese, between two halves of a soft roll called a bap. A bap. And that is what people are eating on their way to work. Perfect little handheld meal. This is incredible. It's a way of changing the breakfast sandwich into, or like breakfast, like a full English into a breakfast sandwich that you can take on the go. I mean, it makes so much sense. Yeah, it really But it just doesn't seem like, like this is the time when they were, I don't know, food was not convenient even like convenience food was not convenience then to have like i think this is the start of it though like this is the start of when convenient food happens and i think the thing that we often forget about is that like restaurants and takeaway places isn't like a new invention true like they've been there since like forever because people oftentimes in like urban settings which we did have those (laughs) very many moons ago like there often wasn't space physically or safe ways of cooking in your home. So you had it done externally so you could take something out. Yeah, of course. So anyways, we see this breakfast sandwich start there. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. The way it's described by this one uh, breakfast food historian is that you would go, you'd be given a mug of coffee. You'd down that, you'd hand the mug back, and they'd give you a sandwich, and then you'd walk off. I... And I'm like, that's perfect. That's perfect. I love it. But also it does lead me to believe that perhaps they were all using a communal mug, which oh. like disgusting disgusting but people were more resilient to germs then that's true no it's not is it i don't know i think people just died yeah anyways so pretty pretty exciting did they have other sandwiches at this time i'm sure there was like other sandwiches but like kind like in the vendors were selling on the streets Mm. this would be what it looks like so quote it was easy to have the rolls ready to go and there's not a lot of construction and it's low cost to prepare so this is arnd anderson it was a really profitable thing to make she's the historian Mm -hmm. so anyways that's where we're starting to see these breakfast sandwiches that are very portable take place yeah then we're gonna cross cross the pond Over the Atlantic. Yes. Um, Sandwich was the breakfast choice of people pressed for money and time. Railroad workers ate their breakfast fare wrapped in wax paper. According to a December 26, 1895 article about staffers who had to work on Christmas, the Washington Post broke young cops reporter had one with a cup of coffee before heading to his desk. Cute. Adorable, right? Yeah. Now, what else is happening? We're going west. Mm -hmm. We're discovering new frontiers, baby. Sure. 
whatever um <laughs> wagon trail west travelers ate an american variation called the denver sandwich which was a denver omelet between two pieces of bread honestly that sounds delicious i really just wish it didn't have green peppers that's the only thing i don't like about it i mean i guess i wish it didn't have ham yeah i just feel like i want an omelet with like stuff yeah see i completely disagree I want my omelet to basically just be like a fun version uh, version of eggs with cheese and maybe mushrooms. Always mushrooms. Actually, maybe. No, I do like stuff. Never mind. What the fuck am I on about? There's two. Okay, there's two different types of omelets. Like I like like a Florentine. Yeah. Where it's like there's the egg and then there's like the stuff in the middle or like a really nice like French with the mushrooms mm. and like mm. herbs. Mm. Or I want it like where it's basically like a frittata, but like thinner and like folded. Yeah. Which I feel like is the Denver yeah. situation. Yeah. It really is. Also, there's, like, all of those, like, very, like, I feel like a Japanese style of it where it's a little bit, like, runny. Not, like, runny in the middle, but, like, softer and, like... Oh, like the super fluffy ones? Yeah, the super fluffy. I'm sorry, but I like it. I made one once and it was, like, a waste of, like, four eggs. So I was, like, disgusting. I don't... You don't like... You're weird about eggs, though. That's true. I want... Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) It was this Denver sandwich. Mm -hmm. The first truly American breakfast sandwich. But it wasn't always eaten in the morning, so whatever. Yeah. Um, this is to feed hungry laborers. There's another food writer, James Beard, who believes that the Denver sandwich actually traces back to sandwiches prepared by Chinese chefs in railway gangs trying mm. to make, like, an egg foo young. Oh. Which is such an interesting take, but I also just feel like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, anyone's... Anything yeah. is anything. And if we know now that sandwiches have already been, like, around... Yeah. It's like, that's an easy way. Yeah, you have your bread, which is probably going to be the main, that's the most, the bulk of your meal. Exactly. And you're like, here's a couple eggs. Here's eggs. It's cheap. It's protein. There you go. Boom. So anyways, that's, that's the scene that we're in. Uh And all of this is leading towards one very special moment. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you for making that little heart. It was good. It was, an ar- it was golden arches. Oh, the golden arches. I was like, are you making a heart symbol about how much we love breakfast sandwiches? Yes, the, the golden arches. I see what you're doing. Um, 1971, Santa Barbara, California. Wow, quite a jump. Truly. <laughs> but we've, we've landed west. <laughs> we've landed west. We, we've hung out there for a bit. We're doing our thing. And I think, like, obviously, when I'm setting the scene of this, this is like the Industrial Revolution, but like, 70s is like... This is kind of a time of, like, revolution as well. It's like, Mm. more people are joining the workforce than ever before. People are eating outside of their homes in a way that we haven't done before. It's a time where convenience is necessary. And it's seeing this transition from if you weren't at the table eating breakfast and had enough time in the morning to do that, you didn't eat. Yeah. You just didn't have that option. Yes. Whereas now, we're looking at having a solution to that, which Mm -hmm. is the McDonald's breakfast sandwich. The Egg McMuffin. 71? 71. A man named Herb Peterson. Or Herb. Herb? I think it's Herb. If it's Is it. it? Yeah. Edit this out so I can say Herb Peterson, please. A man named Herb Peterson. Okay. He was a franchise owner in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. And he was looking for a way to expand the hours of operation of his restaurant so he could be making that cash, baby. Smart. Guy. He's a business bitch. Businessman. Um, and he's like, well, people aren't going to have a hamburger at 1030 in the morning. Ridiculous. It's a little bit ridiculous. I mean, I don't think it's that ridiculous, but <laughs> whatever. So he was like, what am I going to do to draw business in? Mm-hmm. 
And he thought to himself, what do I like? What do you think old Herbie liked? Uh He liked Eggs Benedict. What? So that's what this dish is. It's an attempt at making an Eggs Benny. Except he realized, huh, hollandaise sauce heated up and kept in like a thing for hours on end. Probably a fucking bad idea. Also like messy for to go. Yeah. So he said, huh, butter and cheese. Let's do this. So there you go. Um, It was the first ever quick serve restaurant breakfast sandwich. And it originally cost 63 cents. That sounds like, I feel like, okay, in the 70s. I don't even know. What do things cost? I'm looking it up. There's no idea. I'm looking it up. I feel like it's a reasonable price. I feel like it's $2. I feel like that's like the approximation. I'm going to say $2.50. $4.61. $4.61. All right. Well, fuck it. I don't know. Ish. Hmm. I don't know. What do they cost today? An egg McMuffin? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like $3. There's no way of knowing. Okay, fine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, basically... Herb has this great idea. He's like, I'm a fucking genius. Like, I got this. But he knew that he was going to get turned down because the premise itself, trying to describe this, is weird. This is like my breakfast blizzard idea that never cottoned on. Never cottoned on? Is that not a phrase? Caught, yes. Did I say it? I don't know. It sounded like you said cotton. It never cottoned on. I said it right. I nailed it, you guys. (laughs) Um, What was your breakfast blizzard? We have ice, like the, the ice milk, but we have it like a different one that's like in the morning and you hook it up and it's for like froyo basically. So it's less ice creamy, more okay. frozen yogurty. Mm-hmm. And you have like granola and so, like fruits and then you just like whip it up and then you got a breakfast blizzard. Honestly, that's a genius idea. How did they not take my suggestion? Also, you could do like cereal milk with like bits of like cocoa puffs or like cinnamon toast crunch. See, I had this too. I had the whole thing thought out. Honestly, I feel like Dairy Queen wants to fail. <laughs> you guys, call me. I have many a thought. It's patented here first, dibs. Um, so anyways. So he didn't think that they were going to buy. So he didn't think that it was going to be a big, like, he didn't think they'd buy in. Yeah. But he knew it was good. Yes. So he was like, I got to get somebody here to taste one of these suckers. So he calls Ray Kroc. That's K-R-O-C, mm. not croc like the chew. Okay. Um, <laughs> he is like, you got to come and try this. And he's like, what do I got to try? And he's like, you just got to come. Don't ask questions. Just show. Show up. Uh, and so he brings him in. And Croc says about this in his biography, a crazy idea, a breakfast sandwich. It consisted of an egg that had been formed in a Teflon circle with the yolk broken. Uh, Herb also invented the Teflon rings that mm-hmm. they use, like he patented that, mm-hmm. um, and was dressed with a slice of cheese and a slice of grilled ham. It was served open-faced on a toasted and buttered English muffin. This opened up a whole new business area, or a whole new potential business for McDonald's. Mm-hmm. The breakfast. Breakfast. Trade. So basically, story goes, Ray came in, he tried this sandwich, and he was like, fuck, that's good. He just had lunch. He ate two of them. (laughs) And Herb was just like, I've nailed it. Nailed it. So that's pretty exciting. This is 1971 when this Mm -hmm. is all happening. By 1975, we have the full McDonald's breakfast menu. Okay. So it's a four-year transition. And at that point, they're doing hotcakes. They're getting, like, all your other things. That's when a Danish came into play. Oh. Like, they have hash browns. 
all that kind of stuff. Like they had the full menu then. And you know, I love me a hot cake from McDonald's. The other day, Katrina brought me them for breakfast. She's like, do you want the butter and the syrup? And I was like, no, you pick these up and you eat them like a taco. That's how you do it. Hot cakes? Are they? They're I... incredible. It's like a pancake, but better and worse. Okay. Yeah. Does it have ham on it? No, it's just, it's just a pancake. All right. But they're hot cakes. They're okay. slightly different structurally, I imagine. Okay. They're incredible. I will tell you my experience with McDonald's breakfast afterwards. I want to hear now, though. Oh, I can never eat anything at any time. I ordered an Egg McMuffin recently because mm. on the list, it doesn't list ham as a thing. And then it came and it had a ham in it. And then the next time I was like, aha, no ham. And then it was like full of eggshells. I was like, I can't. You can't win. I can't win. Also, I feel like it needs a sauce. There's, It's too dry. It is. Okay, here's the thing. I think oftentimes they make it wrong and the cheese doesn't melt because I feel like when the cheese is melty, then you have the perfect thing. But if it doesn't melt, then you're gross. And it's like dry. Also, I'm just not really an egg, like an English muffin fan. True. Like I'm a, I'm a fan of a good English muffin, mm-hmm. but I feel like all too often they're bad. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> Patty Turner, the wife of one of the execs for McDonald's, came up with the name Egg McMuffin. Uh-huh. So she gets a credit there too. Good for her. Now, as I said, it was originally served open-faced. It was originally served with a small packet of strawberry jam. Oh. So it was supposed to be like a sweet and savory thing together, which is insane to me. Yeah, that does seem weird. But this is also like the time with like Monte Cristo sandwiches being a big deal. Yeah. So what can you do? <laughs> so anyways, that's the original. Um, then let's see. By 1981, so this is 10 years after the original advent of this, breakfast sales accounted for 18% of total revenue of McDonald's. That's not insignificant considering no. they were only offering it for a very short amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> so, birth of the Egg McMuffin, a culinary invention that rearranged the American relationship with breakfast. This is a quote. Okay. That's not hyperbole. The egg entry, or the eggy entry that created the breakfast sandwich category has been a staple of national diets for generations now, selling billions and spurring knockoffs ever since. As recently as tw- uh, 2015, McDonald's was responsible for purchasing around 5% of all the eggs in America. It's crazy. That's wild, right? Yes. Yes. Anyways. And that can be directly traced to the McMuffin, the origins of which represent a bygone era of innovation, which not a, not a small saying. And I think we will talk about that further. Mm-hmm. So the McMuffin represents a time of small fry innovation and experimentation. Again, this is a quote that has passed us by as new forces, shareholder demands, non-compete agreements and monopolies and student debt to name a few have taken hold yes it's no like this is it's Mm -hmm. such an interesting thing when you look at it though it's like this is the era of like the shamrock shake of the filet fish like of all these like the handheld apple pies Mm -hmm. like this is the time when all of these things are being invented and we are not seeing that kind of like and it sounds insane to say innovation in like cooking like obviously we're doing other stuff but in mass produced mass marketed food like, this is when we're seeing new things. Now everything is just what we can put a celebrity on a campaign of. Now I'm sounding like a 100-year-old bitch. <laughs> it's fine. I own that. Or it's, like, bringing back things. Like, it's always, exactly. like, the McRib's back for, like, five months or, Enjoy like, your five minutes. Like, throwback. It's all about a throwback. It's all throwbacks, and it's all about, like, limited time offers so that people, like, flock the in and buy a bunch of stuff. And then... Yeah. And just, like, yeah. the way that we consume things has changed so drastically that, like... 
anyways, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 1987, 25% of all breakfast consumed outside of the home in the United States were eaten at McDonald's. So wow. one in four people mm-hmm. is eating at McDonald's for their breakfast outside of the home. Oh, it's just so gross. It is. <laughs> and like the only time I ever want an Egg McMuffin is when I'm drastically hungover. So. And then all I want is the hash browns. No, I want the Egg McMuffin. Mm. I feel like I just want like the hash 17 are really hash browns. <laughs> yeah. The grease on them is like almost too much, mm-hmm. but just before it, you know? Yeah. Yes. It's like. That episode in Happy Days, I think that's the show when, what's his name, jumps the shark. And then after that, the phrase jump the shark became yes. a thing. Mm-hmm. They're just before the jumping of the shark, grease level wise. Yeah. I mean, they're, they taste like French fries. It's they're incredible. They're French fries. They're incredible. But in a breakfast form. That was the other thing that was so horrific and egregious about the, my last final Egg McMuffin experience was we got there at like noon and they were like, and it was like breakfast all day. So we're like, we're fine. It's cool. And then the woman's like, no, we don't do hash browns after 11. That's like, fucked. What is the point of saying that it's breakfast all day? If you can't have a hash brown. And also like, if you're going to decide that you're only going to do some of the breakfast items all day, why the fuck wouldn't the hash brown be one of them? Agreed. That's insane. I know. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about workers. Okay. Let's talk about labor, man. Let's do um, it. Average worker worked 1,868 hours in 2007, an increase of 181 hours from the 1979 work year of 1,687 hours. So this represents an increase of 10.7%. So that's the equivalent of every worker working 4.5 additional weeks per year. Wow. That's not a small jump. And that's between, like I said, 79 to 2007. So about like less than 30 years. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's conceivably over, like, many people's working yeah, lives. Yeah, exactly. So a significant jump in how much we are actually at our place of work. Yes. Now, let's look at real hourly wages. Between 1979 to 2007, real hourly wages for low-wage workers, i.e. the people who are making these sandwiches, mm-hmm. uh, those in the bottom fifth of earners, grew 7.7%, with most of this wage growth occurring during 1995 to 2000, which was an economic kind of, like, anomaly. Yes. Uh, from 1979 to 1995 and from 2000 to 2007, real wages among this group actually fell 3.2%. So... The overall thing is we're working so much harder to uh-huh. accommodate for the fact that wages have stagnated and prices keep increasing. Yeah, and of course. this sandwich, I feel like, is just, like, like, not obviously the catalyst and has no bearing on that, but, like, mm-hmm. just such a great, like, marker of, like, we see this creation come into play. We mm-hmm. see breakfast being had outside of the home. It's not because somebody's so innovative, and, like, yes, it is, but that was a solution to a problem that was already coming, that people couldn't be at home. We also see like more and more women entering the workforce like yeah. obviously after world war ii we see so many more but like the 70s hell yeah bitches are in the office yes. they don't have time to be cooking meals at home anymore it's now like you can't have a single income household like really at this point anymore you're moving towards that dual income household both people have to work or women are more autonomous and they have to just provide for themselves so, and it also seems like that whole like the part of the impetus is not only that he's seeing like a market in that people are eating breakfast out of the home, but it's also that like, we need to like, let's increase our hours. Yeah. Which is going to exactly. increase everyone, like the workers hours. Exactly. And it's like, you're not necessarily going to hire an extra person. You're just going to extend people's shifts, put people's on doubles and like, work exactly. Them and like crazy. What do we see with these statistics as well? That increase of like actually a 3.2 decline 
mm-hmm. not represented in the top 1%, of course. No, of course That is not. significantly different numbers no, there. never. So let's do a – this is the conclusion of this paper, which I'll quote. As the data in this paper demonstrates – this is a long one. Sorry, I'm just basically reading this thing and I no, don't care anymore. I love it. As the data in this paper demonstrates, workers have been contributing more work hours over the last few decades, and for most, the returns have been disappointing. Indeed, increased work hours combined with modest hourly wage growth for most workers suggests that Americans started working more paid hours – in part as a coping strategy to ensure some income growth despite poor wage performance. In contrast, those at the top fared much better. The stock market grew strongly. CEO compensation grew twice as fast as the stock market. Wealth grew for the top 1% while it fell for the bottom 60% of households. And profits are reaching record highs as a share of corporate secure income, or sorry, sector income. Those diverging fortunes between those at the top and the broad middle class signal that the economy is not working to the benefit of all Americans. Nope. Like, there you go. There you fucking have it. Uh-huh. But have a breakfast sandwich at McDonald's. Enjoy. Their rise to prominence parallels the emergence of the modern worker, overworked, underpaid, and hungry. And their unfailing success, regardless of time period or time of day, is a testament to two essential facts. Everyone needs breakfast and everyone is too busy to make it themselves. Which is so ridiculous because breakfast is like... The most important meal of the day, which they've been literally shoving down our throats since the 70s. But also, like, you could, like, just have, like, toast. I know. With peanut butter. Like, That's it's... my number one meal, actually, of, like, breakfast foods, because, like, I can eat it as I'm walking out the door. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. Maybe this is me as someone who used to, like, never like breakfast, and I'm, like, only just coming to it, like, in my adulthood. I don't understand that fundamentally. I love breakfast. <laughs> it's my favorite meal. I guess, like, I didn't eat eggs forever, and, like, not having, mm. like, a bacon or anything is, like, doesn't make it as interesting. But Waffles. You heard of them. Yeah, I like a waffle. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, anyways. But it's just that, like, is breakfast the most important meal of the day? No, technically it's lunch. It's lunch. I hate lunch. It's my least favorite meal. I like when I can have, like, a nice lunch. Like, there's nothing more luxurious than, like, a late lunch with, like, a bottle of wine, like, a full, like, a three-course lunch. Mm, That is good. Incredible. That is good, actually. All right. Well, anyways, uh, do you want to hear the last fact about this that's incredibly depressing? Of course. Herb Peterson, he never got paid for this. What? He didn't make a goddamn cent off of this except for the profits from his franchise. Of course. So he completely revolutionized the fast food industry and yet not a goddamn dime. Of course. Of course. I also wanted to quote this other article that I found really interesting, and we have kind of touched on the fact that, like, this level of innovation isn't really being seen anymore. Oh, no. It says, it's hard to imagine America changing that dramatically again, partly because the success that companies like McDonald's found through local entrepreneurs like Peterson left less room for later innovation and imagination. We may fancy our own moment as the golden age of entrepreneurship, but outside of the Silicon Valley garage startup mythos, Americans have been taking fewer chances on big ideas for decades. David Sachs, the author of The Soul of an Entrepreneur, notes, the number of Americans who are self-employed and starting businesses has fallen by half over the past 40 years. Meanwhile, the share of employees working for new businesses in the United States has dropped from 14% in 1982 to 9% in 2018, the most recent year for which data is available. This lack of fresh uh, enterprise disproportionately translates into fewer new jobs, less economic growth and productivity, limited innovation, and less creativity. It's probably probably because of all of those stories of people inventing stuff, completely revolutionizing it, and then never getting paid. Mm-hmm. What a concept. And, like, that is the first thing that I thought of when you were like, it's the franchise owner. And my first thing was, like, how the heck did they let this guy, like, 
yeah, put something on a menu that's like always so standardized. And then, yeah. It's so crazy because like when you look at it, like this good quote here. Sorry. I know that I'm just two quotes. Like it's so me (laughs) like just reading articles, but like I really enjoyed them. Um, Ghost kitchens, one of the biggest culinary trends to emerge in the pandemic are an innovation, albeit one of the designs mainly to be built on top of existing businesses, making food that is exceedingly familiar to consumers to be delivered by workers with no benefits. And despite the savory magic inherent to the last two years of fried chicken sandwich wars and the other marketing ploys that company has used at the end of lunch, they're still just chicken sandwiches. Yes. It's the same. So, anyways, that's what I want to talk about there. Capitalism, eh? Capitalism. She's a bitch. (sighs) More and more every day. Truly. And that's, I think, the thing that we are seeing is, like, we look at these as, like, the... Like, the exponential growth of bitchhood. Of (laughs) the capitalism. capitalism. Yeah. Like... You see that and you're like, what a beautiful story. And you like have this rosy vision of the seventies where like everything is like, we're trying so hard. We're making new things. We're doing all this shit. And then like, where's it leading us down on like a crap filled road? <laughs> like cookie cutter, overworked, mm-hmm. undernourished. Yeah. So that is a recipe that restaurants made popular and, uh, not necessarily like a super i mean like obviously yeah a bitch loves having the convenience of going and getting breakfast uh-huh. i have no beef with that i just and it's like good for people who do need that exactly and like i don't want to like shit on anything that's going to make the day-to-day more convenient uh-huh. but also like why is that like why did we need that it's always the why yeah or like people deserve better exactly they deserve to be able to have the choice to sit down for breakfast if they want to yes Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's the campaign we'll be running on when we run for <laughs> office. Please vote for us then. Uh, and oh. see you next time. Yes. Uh, thank you for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Pantry Staples Pod. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your foes. <laughs> and we'll uh, see you in a bit. Give me a Bye.